When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I simply know too much about the Rock Hall, and we're all wondering why. With me, <laughs> as always, is my co-host. She has a much healthier, more skeptical view of the institution of the Rock Hall. It's Kristen Studdard. Hi, Kristen. That's me. Hello, Joe. You're sounding crisp on the AKG. That's me out here connected through an old-timey looking microphone and sounding good for it. Uh, Well, we are so excited to finally have this guest back with us. I will go ahead and say fan favorite, host favorite. Uh, She is an author. She's a champion for women in music, women in rock, women in the rock hall specifically. We're so excited to welcome back Evelyn McDonald. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, thank you guys for having me back. Absolute dream guest. Very excited. Exciting. Here we are. You're too kind. In an exciting year. I'm like, really, can you believe it? I'm ready to kick us off. I'm like, and an exciting class this year. What did you think? Well, you know, my, my first reaction was like, this is amazing. I can't believe how many women how many women that have never been nominated before? Almost a quarter of the nominations are women, which we haven't seen those kinds of numbers for a long time. And great women and a lot of the women that I've been advocating for. And then also the rest of the ballot is also really good. The male portion is also super impressive and diverse. I've been very happy until I had to sit down and prepare for this interview. And I had to actually try to choose five acts to vote for. And then I became very mad because it's really hard this year. Nigh impossible. (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, just put them all in this year. (laughs) I think that's been the sort of common reaction, which is really great. And I kind of wish they would just do that or unfortunately that's that's not the option but yeah it's definitely a matter of kill your babies as they like to say yeah let's be clear you have a ballot and you have not filled it out yet correct i have not this is perfect for you (laughs) you are waiting for us and we are here to help you actually I, i usually put it off to the very last minute so this is actually early for me yeah well you know with the postal service the way it is probably good to get it in the mail as soon as yeah possible. oh my gosh what an excellent point oh my gosh yeah you don't you don't want to play fast and loose with the with the deadline there imagine that too it's like voter suppression in the rock hall too <laughs> good god we've already got enough to worry about 
you know, at this portion of the show, it's usually fantasy ballot, but this is so exciting that you have a ballot that is going to be counted. Walk us through, Evelyn, what you're thinking with these artists. So I would say that, I guess let's start at the bottom. <laughs> We're co-hip. Okay, fair. Um, or, or maybe we'll, we'll bounce around, but I mean, eliminating maybe the, the easiest things to do. So, you know, there were really only two acts that I am just like, no personally right mm-hmm. and i would say no not time not ready they can wait another like decade to the fighters i mean nice guys but do they need not. to be a first ballot induction probably right. not Abs- no they're just friends of the rock hall you know as far as and well, you know well and documented they're bros they're dudes they're, you know they're they fit in well again the nice guys dave Grohl has really you know actually like dave Grohl has been a mensch in terms of supporting women and you mm-hmm. know when rana were inducted and they had different different women women singing being you know standing in for kurt that was great that was an awesome awesome gesture so but that said i just don't see their historical importance i don't think see their musical greatness i think they have many years to, to go before I would induct them, before I would vote for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when we're ni- nibbling out the 90s. I don't know what I'm going to say for because I've said sweeping out the 60s, scraping out the 70s, eking out the 80s. I don't we know. haven't figured out a term yeah, quite yet maybe, for the 90s. But. I don't know what we'll be doing when we're getting to the dregs of the 90s or like getting from the icon status to like, you know, yeah, the JV right. squad. The other band that I personally am not interested in, but I can see a argument for them being in. And I understand that they do have a fan base and are uh, um, not- Significant in the heavy metal Yeah, genre. they have some significance, which would be Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I know where, where this is going to. <laughs> yeah, right? I think it is important to have metal in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not against- metal by any mm-hmm. means. Especially with the Rock Hall, metal has not really been acknowledged to the extent of many other genres. It's been one that has been kind of the, the stepchild and artists like Motorhead or Judas Priest have shown up on the ballot and no luck. But when you have a ballot like this this year, is this the year that you really go in all in <laughs> for metal? I don't think right. so. The national conversation has not demanded it <laughs> yet. <laughs> I, we'll see, you know. If I were to choose a metal or you know metal-ish band from this palette, it would be Rage Against the Machine, who are a band that I absolutely love and I think are really important musically. You know, so solid and interesting, and the punk and metal and rally they, they speak to different constituencies. So if I were to choose one metal-ish band on this list, it would be Rage Against the Machine. They are really like my favorite bands. I. I'm editing the Music Matters series at University of Texas Press, and we hopefully have a Rage Against the Machine book coming out. It's been in the works for a while. Oh, great. Uh, that I was the advocate for, so which I like incredible. to call why Rage Matters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that said, I, they're not going to make my list of five. But there is, you know, there are definite elements of her. I was so excited to see them on the ballot and they go, okay, well, I, but I cannot. This is just yeah. five in this incredible field. And, you know, my apologies to Zach and Tom, who I, I really think are important, great people. Again, like really good people and their political message. And I rock out to Rage Against the Machine quite often. <laughs> I think they'll get in too. I'm not worried that they'll never get in. It's just maybe not right now. 
Yeah, and especially because this is a year where, I mean, it's difficult, I think, for everybody on this ballot who isn't Tina Turner and Carol King, just because those have been the two longtime snubs that the Rock Hall has been stubborn about acknowledging, almost chalking it up to a technicality. And then they're both breaking through and finally getting on the ballot this year. And to us feel like foregone conclusions, like they are so legendary. To most people, I would say looking at this ballot and voting, the question is going to be, how are they not already in? And they're going to waltz right in this year. I totally agree. And I mean, and so I'll sort of reverse my process. Okay, like I chopped off the bottom, like who, you know, absolutely, I've spent so much time advocating for them that it would be foolish, especially in front of uh, all of your podcast listeners. For me. Uh And she's like, this is the New York Dolls' year. It's New York Dolls, it's Todd Rundgren, and then three blanks, okay? Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. So, I mean, yeah, number one one and two on my list are definitely Tina and and Carol. I mean, I've written a lot of, particularly about why Tina Turner deserves to be in and, you know, the terrible, you know, insult that has been done to her to have her in, uh, included only with Ike, her abuser. And, you know, she's written about this in her memoir. I mean, she, she basically doesn't even like, she's disassociated from that having even happened. Like she basically has no memory. I don't think she attended. She did not. Um, she like mauled that whole thing off. And, you know, everything that's been going on around her with the musical and her you know again her second memoir the documentary documentary. yeah the documentary coming out in two weeks or whatever yeah yeah Yeah. like here we go tina so i mean you know yes and and, you know and while she's around to appreciate it you know the hall has a bit of a bad habit of you know honoring people after they're no longer on this planet with us and you know and carol king you know on almost completely analogous situation to tina i mean not quite as egregious because her relationship to jerry goffin isn't as contentious as i can tina but it you know was a problematic relationship Mm -hmm. and i saw beautiful the musical i know So, and, you know, there's been a lot out lately about the anniversary of Tapestry. And there's obviously a whole conversation we can have about how this ballot is, a, I think, a manifestation of um, some of the changes that have been made in the nominating committee and in the Rock Hall. And I think in these two particular cases of Carolyn Tina, the hall is acknowledging its mistake. And, and something I'm so her. curious about with that, too, is like had... Tina and Carol Solo been brought up many times and shot down in the past? Or was this a year when the new blood in the room was like, hey, uh, what the hell's going on Mm -hmm. here? I'm so curious about the history of how many times they had been pitched in the room. And then shot down. And then shot down. Yeah. and Because we are, I mean, we do know that there's a new chairman, John Sykes, for the Rock Hall. This is the first ballot to come out in the Sykes era. We don't know what that influence has on the ballot at all. By all accounts, John Landau is still running the nominating committee. Who knows if the the tide has shifted because of that or for what reasons. Obviously, there's a lot of cultural things happening 
in the world at large that feel like they are what caused this. But because the hall is so shadowy, we don't really know what is happening. We can only guess. Right. And and, and I do think that a lot of it is a response to the advocacy and agitation and activism of us and, you know, many other people in the community of, of Hall Watchers, um, Future Rock Legends, all those, you know, different people who've really spoken up, as well as the celebrities themselves, Steve Miller, Tiana Jackson, to Dave Grohl. I think that they got such a public shaming, especially mm-hmm. in the last couple years. Mm-hmm. That I, I mean, I know that some of the people in the room have changed and that there are some new people in the room. I try not to get an inside baseball in that because I think that it's better for me to have my sort of academic distance from it and not know necessarily, you know, what those the dynamics are. I mean, I certainly sometimes hear some things and, you know, read some things, but I, I don't think there's been that huge of a personnel change in the room. I think it's that the consciences of the people who are there have changed. It is different. The air is different. We swim in different water now. And there's just no going back. Like you can't really turn it off now. The consciousness of our country has changed and you really can't pretend that it's just, this is the way it is. Oops, all white guys. Like, you know, it just can't happen. <laughs> like they can't just pretend that no one's going to notice or that, yeah, it's fine. It's not fine. And now they're slowly coming around and it's been such a long road, but I couldn't believe that it was happening. I do. I do really hope that it's a shift a consciousness shift and not just i was gonna say title change but tide change back <laughs> you know they that's kind of the point yeah the way tides work yeah, yeah. so yeah, they flow <laughs> and i do worry about that because i i do look back at the 90s and you know the rock hall had a few years in the 90s when a quarter of the inductees were women you know which was, again the 90s was a period of you know second feminism or third wave feminism or whatever yeah. number it was third wave feminism um and you know i hope that um we don't have the backlash the backlash right? oh i don't look i don't want that I'm like, can we just not have just like a slow, steady march toward progress, please, instead of these friggin' waves? Well, that's what I, I think we have to make happen. And that's, you know, like, let's make sure that these nominees get inducted. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all know that the reason it's so important to count how many individual inductees are men versus women is that they get a vote, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to correct those numbers of voters, like, we, we just have to keep pushing. Speaking of that, speaking of getting more women voters by inducting more women, you induct Tina and Carol King. Uh, sadly, you're not getting more voters because they are technically already in. They are already voters. Who knows if they turn in a ballot? But a great way to get five new women voters in is to vote for the Go-Go's. Well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> because I don't know if they're, they're probably next on my, my ballot, uh, if I'm going to rank. Yes, I'm so happy to see the Go-Go's on. And I've you know written about this a lot that I, I do feel like there's a bias against um, all-girl bands. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's just so prevalent in music history and um, that they're treated as novelties and people think that women can't play instruments. And I also think that there's this really masculine fear of seeing a bunch of women together, that that's mm-hmm. such an empowering thing and that men are super afraid of it. And I think that that's certainly been the history of the Rock Hall. Again, the idea that the Foo Fighters got nominated, 
My girl, she's here. It's I feel the exact same way. Please go on. (laughs) Right? I mean, their first year of eligibility, they get nominated. Mm -mm. And the Go-Go's, how many years? They first became eligible in 2006. So 15 years. We're looking at 15, yeah. I mean, come on. Not, not necessarily itching to jump at the Foo Fighters defense, but, you know, one of the things, the marks in their column is that they produced solid hits on alt-rock radio for a long period of time. Here's an album. It has two songs that get played on K-Rock, and then two years later, they do it again. Which and... matters to Joe because he listens to alt-rock <laughs> radio, unlike most everyone else. <laughs> Well, I mean, this goes back to the 90s when people were listening mm-hmm. to all rock radio. But, you know, that's, I think, their, their consistency. And, you know, they carried the traditional rock torch in a time when we were all jumping ship. That is the the pitch for the Foo Fighters, who I think are a fine band. Yeah, I but... think they're a fine band, but are they an FYE? Are they an FYN? Are they yeah. better than the Go-Go's? Are they more important than the Go-Go's? The Go-Go's they... had global pop hits that you know i could hum like five of them off the top of my head mm-hmm. and you know and i will say like okay i was 17 you know when the goes first came out and and that album was hugely important to me and influential and seeing you know myself in videos on mtv for the first time it, it was life-changing i I can't, like, not only, like, the Foo Fighters change, I don't really want to pick on the Foo Fighters, but, like, yeah, have they changed people's lives? And, like, I mean, I, I, the Go-Go's, like, changed my life. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Tina, we've got Carol, we've got Go-Go's. Those three are obvious. Those are my number one, two, three on my ballot. Yeah, same this here. Is where, this is where things get crunchy. This is where you're going to put who's going in those last two slots, because mm-hmm. those are the big three that I'm, like, those are the slam Obvious, dunks. you do you it. put those in, and then you got two slots to play with, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of people vying for that, a lot of bands vying for that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And so um, for me, my next choice, or she might have actually been my third choice, uh, is Shaka Khan. Um, yes. Because again, like, now she has been nominated so many times, and she's got to be one of the most nominated and not inducted artists in in the hall's history, probably. Yes, I'm sure, for sure, I'm sure can tell can give us those numbers. Yeah, I mean, if you want them, I'm I'm right here. <laughs> just, uh, oh, <laughs> numbers, oh, just from the top of my head, yes, I have them. I believe total this is and this would include Rufus too. This would be her seventh nomination third as solo and then she had been nominated with rufus four times and you know again like she's been around for a long time like it's not like again like and she's still here too right and can still perform and like is yeah vital let's put her in imagine if her and tina are on in the same and then we just do it oh my gosh you know what if it get i'm every woman and i just am like this Yes, I I don't imagine the 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 all star band at the end if it was like Diva's live. It's my dream. Bogos, (laughs) my actual dream ballot. (laughs) Like (laughs) I can't believe it. They left out my girl Pat this year, but like I really Shaka, I would love. I we're worried about her because of the strength of how many amazing acts there are this year, but Mm -hmm. she's on my ballot. And you only got one more left. I'd advocate for two artists 
in particular, my thoughts are either Dion Warwick or Jay-Z. And my my thinking is, I think Dion is going to be very close to getting inducted and could use the votes. I think she is someone who maybe is would be polarizing to the voters. There are people who, obviously, she has legend status. She has been eligible for a very long time. I think that is going to help her. I think there are going to be people who aren't going to categorize her as rock and roll necessarily, which I would disagree with. But I, I think a vote to Dion is a vote that could help her cross the line from nominee. Become the inductee. sixth or seventh on the inductees. Yes. Strategy voting. Strategy voting. Yes. And then for Jay-Z, I just feel like the Rock Hall cannot afford to go any year without inducting a hip-hop artist because the backlog is so vast and they only seem to be able to let in one a year if that and if we don't get someone in each year then it just gets worse and worse and i think jay-z is the one you throw even though ll for historical reasons should get in first i think on a realistic standpoint it's gonna have trouble amassing you throw your numbers. weight behind jay-z who's more likely to already have the votes coming in and that's my uh, expert analysis <laughs> and i'm like and sh- and meanwhile evelyn's like but i there's space for one more and just todd has been ignored <laughs> and we gotta get him in there while he's still around to accept it no <laughs> um uh yeah what's your what where are you at on your fifth position so i guess I really wasn't thinking that strategically. Um, so I definitely appreciate that suggestion. Again, so many of these people are, are worthy. Definitely Dion is worthy. Definitely Jay-Z is worthy. Definitely Ella Cool J. I would actually put Felakuti as my fifth. Because- vote away. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Right, I'm jo- right. vote, no, you're three not. Vote away. Vote, vote third party. Go ahead. Uh- I mean, um, I think he's very deserving, but I do think that would be... a you think he's just going to get in and he doesn't need the vote? <laughs> I think I think he's probably going to be at the, at the at the bottom because of his lack of name recognition in America. But then you look at the, the fan the, vote. Yeah, but you know who was at the top of the fan vote last year? Good Dave old Matthews. dumping sewage on the Chicago River, <laughs> Dave Matthews. Dave. Right. No, for for me, like I mean, a fella is just of such huge historical importance. And, you know, on top of his music being amazing. And also, I think that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been way too narrowly focused on mm-hmm. America, um, on the United States, particularly, but North America. And it needs to think more globally. Sure. Um, and outside and I, of the British know, Commonwealth, perhaps. Yeah, and to, th- and to talk about the importance of, you know, rock and roll around the world, the influence of American music across the globe. And obviously, you know, Bob Marley is the big example of that. But I think Fella's like up there with Bob Marley, right? I think it expands the vision of the hall in a way that is really forward thinking and is the direction it should be going. And also it's like, God, it's about time. Like, I can't believe he's not, because they just have never thought. I mean, that was one of the most shocking nominations this year, for sure. I mean, when we were going through the ballot, it hadn't even occurred to us. Like, during the draft, I don't think anybody even remotely was like, yeah, you know, it's going to be Fela's year. I think Fela Kuti, you know, that could be it. Like, this could be his year. Like, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I, I, I do think he's 
worthy. I just, you know, when I think about it, like you said, strategically, it's I think about the system that's in place in terms of how the voting works. And I think about just I know it's not meant to be an American institution, but if you're defining the rock hall by who has been inducted, then it is it almost feels like just induct him in a in a special category, like give him the international award or something. I, I just worry without a category like that, without something special to acknowledge someone who's outside of the North American culture, I just worry that they in the system that we have now, it would ever happen. And but I think it's a it's a noble effort to throw your weight behind him and, and give him a vote. And I would never stop you from doing that. Well, you can't, Joel. <laughs> I can, I, yeah, all I have are my words. Uh, you know what, I, I took, it's funny because last year I took my students to a uh, anti-ballas show, which is, you know, a Brooklyn band that essentially is a fellow tribute band, right? They play mm-hmm. half of rapper beat. And, you know, my students knew nothing about it, but were amazed at how great they were and how great that music was. So uh, I also think they would have an intergenerational appeal if, if kids learned more about them. He's already had a musical about him. I was just going to say four out of your five picks have had musicals about them. Because if you're looking at at Tina and Beautiful for Carol King and Head Over Heels for the Go-Go's and Fela. It wasn't about the Go-Go's, but it was using the Go-Go's. It's a jukebox musical. Jukebox musical in the style of We Will Rock You, if you will. Right. Right. Well, you know, this is something that I've said before. I feel like that is where artists who've been ignored by the rock hall go as they i feel like go to broadway Mm -hmm. um that's where they get their validation and you know that's also kind of gendered and whatever but (laughs) i didn't uh, know that fela had a a musical until we had just talked about it on another episode and i had no idea how it ran for a year i'm not sure how long it ran but i know about it because there is a documentary that is both about him and putting up that musical oh yeah i mean and also like kind of like i mean the political importance who has had more influence on the geopolitical stage like who else on the ballot you know has had their mother like killed by government soldiers you know i i feel like just honoring the impact that he had in nigeria and africa yeah um, is again to like look beyond our own backyard and and realize the power of music across the globe and yeah you talk about the danger of rock and roll uh, no no one was you know it, it being directly threatened by the government and defiantly doing so regardless yeah you know i will say like i love jay-z and again and like it hurts me not to vote for jay-z like personally i love hova but i also find it a little i mean you know he's hugely important but i don't know if i would vote for ll over jay-z like that also seems weird oh i would yeah i mean to me jay-z is like legend status he needs to get on his first year eligible first year nominated let's go it will be wild if if he does not get in i am hoping that like his ubiquity is enough to when we first were doing the draft we were like jay-z slam dunk absolutely he's like he was my first round draft pick Mm -hmm. i think this year okay (laughs) i do not remember (laughs) (laughs) because it just seemed like such a sure thing and then this ballot came out and i was like all bets are what if they put in less than seven people this year if they put in less than seven acts it is such a disservice yeah i mean you gotta remember though kristen they rarely do seven like it's usually six is the is the max they gotta do seven they should do ten 
They should do 14. I don't I care. They've got to make up for the lost year. They can they can induct more this year because we, you know, last year was the lost year. Mm-hmm. We, you know, didn't I mean, although them. we did we did induct people last year. I know, I know, know, but but to have like a supercharged ceremony with like more artists, well, yeah, yeah, I think it would be great. Just put them all in. <laughs> it's going to be the Roaring Twenties. This is going to be the first big, you know, party of the Roaring Twenties. And just like, let them, this will be the new attitude. Like, just let them in. You don't say no anymore. We had a year of no's. Everything's yes now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so there's there's your ballot. I think it's a good, I think it's a good ballot. Tina, Carol, Gogo, Shaka Khan, and Fela Kuti. That's going to be it. Ballot. That's that's it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Well, and it's like, I'm you so know, and then there's a bunch of other great acts. It's like Devo. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I feel like Jay-Z has other years to get in. Mary J. Blige has many years to get in. Some of it, I look at like, they have to make up for not having inducted or nominated fellow before finally getting Shaka in. Your ballot is a list of, uh, of snubs. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's course correction. It is actually. It, you're yeah. right. I well, like um, it. I agree with it. It is eighty percent what I would have done. So <laughs> I'm glad to see that it's. I'm glad to see that our instincts aren't super far off. But then again, Evelyn, I feel like our instincts on this stuff is quite usually runs pretty parallel. Joe, what were you saying? Oh, I was just gonna say I'm I, I, happy to have gone on the ballot journey with you. Why don't we take a little break? And then when we come back, let's talk about the Go-Go's. So we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you... You uh, fantasized about what it's going to be like when uh, we can all be together in public again. Isn't that nice? All right, well, let's talk about the Go-Go's. The Go-Go's are on the ballot this year for the very first time. They became eligible in 2006 uh, because they released in 1980 a single for We Got the Beat that was a demo version that came out in the UK that's slightly different from the version that came out a year later. Evelyn. I would love to know what the Go-Go's mean to you and if you even remember maybe the first time you heard about the Go-Go's. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, did I, the very first time, I, I don't know, but, you know, said a little bit of this earlier, but, I mean, I was in high school in my small Wisconsin town that I grew up in, and I mean, I was already, you know, into punk rock, and I had already discovered Patti Smith was my idol and I was already not like anybody else at my public <laughs> Wisconsin high school and you know and part of that was because I actually was a California girl like I was born in, in LA and moved when I was young and we used to go back all the time so I had this real connection to California and so you know when the Go-Go's came out and I just immediately bonded with them as this sort of connection to my past and like I say I used to go back um, and I used to hang out with you know my older cousin um, and we used to like sneak out of her house and you know walk the streets of the San Fernando Valley late at night and do those 
girl things. So I just really related to that sense of teenage girl adventure that the Go-Go's represented and this sense of fun and, and just the concept of a girl gang was so empowering. I mean, I didn't know about the Runaways at that point because the Runaways didn't, although apparently I've they may have actually played in my hometown. I never could really track this down, but it certainly played nearby. But I was probably too young at that time to really, to be hip enough. I wasn't reading Cream when I was like 14. Right. Uh, That's the distinction, I think, between the Go-Go's and the Runaways is the Go-Go's hit the mainstream in such a big way, whereas the Runaways, you kind of have to be cool or, you know, be looking out for them. But the Go-Go's were inescapable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they were they were top 40. They were they were huge. I mean, you know, the music that I was into it was also the breakthrough of that kind of music to the public. So all of a sudden, like I was the weirdo and I wasn't the only one, you know, Certainly among the girls, it was pretty much like my best friend partly broke up with me because I was getting my musical taste was too weird for her, right? Uh, Who was she into? She was more into like hard rock and heavy metal. She came around, like everybody came around and then partly thanks to the Go-Go's and the Blood and the B-52s too, I have Mm -hmm. to also say. Ooh, another major snub. Yes, yes. Well, it's interesting to uh, position the Go-Go's against uh, a harder rock thing, especially when you think about the origins of the Go-Go's coming from the Los Angeles punk scene. Right, right. Which I think a lot of people forget, don't realize, you know, that, you know, Belinda Carlisle played with Darby Crash of the Germs, right? You know, they were in like the hardest of the hardcore. Yeah, and that's my favorite rock hall connection this year is that you've got Pat Smear nominated as part of the Foo Fighters and Belinda Carlisle played with his band, The Germs, for a period of time uh, under the moniker Dottie Danger. Right, absolutely. Because they became so big and global and, and pop, people forget that they came from like this underground, very edgy, you know, and they like, they were totally rock and roll. Again, there's like this way that like girls are considered pop and Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, their, their their breakthrough music was certainly eminently hummable. <laughs> and they were afraid of being seen as almost traitors to the punk scene. Right. You know, the idea of you're selling out because suddenly you have this polish to your release recording versus the gritty, grungy live performances that they were known for. Yeah, like, does anybody ever call, like, Devo sellouts? I mean, <laughs> it was also, you, you know, pop and mm-hmm. and mainstream and, Slick, and yeah. commercial, but, no, you know, nobody ever, like, accuses them of selling out. I guess they were directly critiquing a lot of the industry, too, uh, or making fun of <laughs> the music industry. But, I mean, that was, like, that was just like something that was happening in music at that time. There was, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of bands that were taking that punk energy and doing something that was accessible. And, you know, and I mean, the Sex Pistols were accessible too. I mean, so they were are great. the Clash and the Ramones. Yes, I mean, yes. like, especially the Ramones were very poppy. Yeah. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's all these things are why they've only now been nominated. Yeah, well, you know, you you referenced the reason why they didn't make the ballot until now. We All we can do really is guess as to why they haven't been considered, and we can guess if we think they will get inducted. But one of the things I've done to try and streamline the process of determining if we think the Rock Hall will induct an artist is I've come up with a list of categories that I think if you do well enough in these categories – you have a decent shot at induction. Mostly looking back on 
how the Rock Hall has operated and what they seem to care about, even though they never say what it is, you know, their criteria is. Joe's so, reverse engineered his own little system. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go through these categories and see how the Go-Go's do. And we'll start off with iconic, recognizable songs. Now, I would say that the Go-Go's, there's four in particular that to this day you hear everywhere. And we can kind of go somewhat chronologically. I already mentioned We Got the Beat. which is, uh, you know, they had a demo version, but then the re-recorded version was huge, went to number two, and it's off that first album. It only went to number two? I think it was just under I Love Rock and Roll. Oh, so we, we, wow. had, we had a lot of hey now. cool rocker <laughs> chick cool... Uh, representation at the top That's of the chart. That's a church. cool chart. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate that. What year was that? That would have been 81. I really cannot believe that this was so early in the 80s because this music is so quintessentially 80s to me. I wasn't really aware of music or very much alive in the early 80s for that to be like, We Got the Beat is out in 1981. Like, Yeah, and it feels so like definitive of a new wave, like what the, yes. the new wave was. I think they helped to establish that. Big time. Wow. And then the other big song, and these might ultimately be their two biggest songs from that first album is Our Lips Are Sealed. which has an interesting origin because the first lyrics of that song came to Jane Weedlin from a love letter from a guy named Terry Hall. They had toured with the specials and he was a member of the specials. He was also a part of a band called Fun Boy 3. Is that the, <laughs> I think yes. that's the name of that group. Yes, what a name, yeah. Fun Boy 3, <laughs> that sounds like a screen name. It's like- <laughs> Yes, like an AOL Instant Messenger. Like an early screen name, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they actually also recorded a version of Our Lips Are Sealed. It doesn't matter what they say. No one listens anyway. Our Lips Are Sealed. If We Got the Beat isn't their defining song, then Our Lips Are Sealed is. She's my favorite Coco. Jane, Jane Weedland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jane, I think, just has the, the cool factor. She's so I mean, cool. She and that voice. She wrote songs. She's got, like, the cool haircut, the punky mm -hmm. haircut. Yeah, she's, like, the sleeper. Obviously, Belinda is the face. Jane's, like, a, you know, she's, she's weird. She's so cool. You got to love Jane Weedland. I think, too, I remember maybe it must have been in the 2000s that they were getting a lot of, like, VH1 coverage or something, or they, maybe their Behind the Music came out or something like that. Uh -huh. And I remember being like, this woman is so cool. Wow. <laughs> Look at her cool hair. She is like, because she was, you know, heading towards middle age at that point. And I was like, she is such a rock star still. Like, she's got cool vibes. They were all super cool, though, I have to yeah. say. It. Even though she's my favorite, I mean, that was definitely part of the appeal and the mystique that they did have this great fashion sense and you, you wanted to hang out with them and get in trouble. Absolutely. And also, Jane Weedlin showed up in movies. You know, she plays Joan of Arc in Bill and Ted. Like, that was probably the first time I saw Jane Weedlin. Uh, you know, she has a, a cool cred of, like, popping up in, in movies in the 80s. Now, the other two songs that I think 
are ones that everybody knows mm-hmm. on the next record title track vacation And that has an interesting origin too, I think because when they were coming up with that second album, they had to do it very quickly and didn't have a ton of material to draw on. So Kathy Valentine, the bass player, grabbed a song from her previous band, the Textones, and was like, there's this song we had called Vacation. I think we could rework it and, and make it a song. And it ended up, you know, really for a kind of rushed second album it was such a huge hit and i think really helped keep them afloat and then on the on their third and and last album of their 80s heyday uh, head over heels i think those four doesn't matter if you're a go-go's fan like if you've ever owned a radio you have heard those songs. Absolutely, right. And then beyond that, this is an opportunity to like shout out some songs that maybe people don't know that are, are pretty fun. I love that first album and I love the song, How Much More. Yeah, I love that first album too. I mean, I listened to that album endlessly on repeat and could sing every song. I, you know, I, maybe I could still do it. I don't know. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> I just think the whole first album, it was just like every song was a gem. Yeah, it, it's, it's a really exceptional and we can transition into the next category, which is classic albums. I think everybody considers that first one, Beauty and the Beat, to be, it, it was all, not only is it full of great songs, but the achievement of the album going to number one, they're the first uh, female group who wrote their own songs to go number one. And that's still, that's still it. It's still just them. It was them at that point and still to this, to this day. And that's such, I think that's such an important part of rock history. You saying that though, it really does bum me the fuck out. <laughs> like, yeah. because everyone's like, oh yeah, when you have a glass ceiling shattered, then it's like everybody else can get through. But it's like, no, then you just treat them like they're this crazy anomaly. And then everyone else is like, well, we already have the Go-Go's. We don't need whoever you are. That's so annoying to hear. But I, I do think that achievement though allowed women to get record deals that couldn't before. Right. And then we had the bangles. The bangles, yeah. Would the bangles have gotten signed the go go had and broke through? Would they have gotten played? I mean a really a really great group. I'm not saying they're following in the footsteps, but I think that the go go success somewhat you know it was and you know as we were saying with Joan Jett, I mean it was also a time of success for a lot of great women artists I mean it was pretenders were probably mm-hmm. rocking right. around at that time and Lopper Blondie and also right. you know, a lot of those bands it's a woman up front but then it is a bunch of guys behind her which you got to imagine to some of the record execs puts them at ease because they're like oh okay right. well Thank God yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I can Ooh, see some this, guys. Here. This I'm familiar with. Okay. You know, and we'll just let the pretty lady sing 
And maybe she can play her little guitar if she wants to. But as long as we know that there are some real musicians behind her, we can really rest assured. Oh, I, I get, I'm just frustrated. I think it is really cool that it did break people through and that I'm sure that more people got opportunities and that it mattered. And I'm sure there were young girls who saw the Go-Go's and were like, I could start a band too, you know? And I, but it's just like, where are they? It's like we have Haim now, but I'm just like, where are they? <laughs> it's very annoying that that is such an anomaly. I don't I, have anyone to blame but the patriarchy. <laughs> I think it's totally the patriarchy. Right? And I said this before, I think it's just really, really scary and threatening to people to see a bunch of women um, standing together. And I think it's also really hard for women to stand together. And I think that becomes so divisive. I mean, you see that with the Go-Go's too. I mean, they, they didn't last all that long. There's, you know, same with the Runaways, right? Heim stay together because they're siblings. Because they're sisters, yeah. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I love Heim, by the way. Yes. Oh, they're Stay amazing. Right. But even, you know, a, a group like Heim, they're not hitting the top of the charts. They're not like top but 40. I wonder they're about not, that you know. because I just don't think that that kind of music is in the top 40 right now. You know, that's like alternative rock radio, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I if, don't, if that, I, yeah. I, I feel like the top 40 is so much about hip hop and like very poppy pop music. I don't know that like we're getting a lot of guitar driven no, songs. The, in... the, the context does not really allow for it, but there is something to say for a band like the Go-Go's that did, you know, it, it was in the heyday of, of rock. So oh, the yeah. circumstances allowed for a group that sounded like that to hit the top of the charts. Let's connect classic albums to the next category, which is critical acclaim. And we do so by talking about the Rolling Stone list of the 500 best albums of all time. Now, Beauty and the Beat is kind of understood as a classic. And then it was to most people, diminishing returns after that. I went on vacation and then talk show. Do you guys think the Go-Go's have any albums on this Rolling Stone list? I think it, Beauty and the Beat could be on it. I don't know if it would have been on the 2012. I think it could be in the 2012. Actually, it could have been on 2012 too. I don't know because they were able to thread that needle, but I don't know... Hmm. how much of the patriarchy is just crushing down on this list? You know, how much of it is infused? I want to believe that it's on there. I want to believe that Beauty and the Beat is on there. Okay. Evelyn, what do you think? And so this is, this is the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all times? Yes. Okay. And two different years you're looking at? or So yeah, there was a, the original list, which was 2003, which is basically the same list as their update in 2012. And they did a massive rehaul in 2020. So technically there's three, basically there's two versions so of the list. Was it on any of those lists? Or were there any Gogo's albums on any of those lists? That is my question. That is the question. Wow, that's so interesting. And the 2020 overhaul was definitely like diversified the list quite a bit, especially right. with regard to people of color. I don't know if it did anything about gender parity. Uh, it did for sure. I mean, like you, you have the list going from like Sergeant Pepper's, you know, Pet Sounds to the now the top one is what's going on, and Joni Mitchell's Blue is in like the top three. And, you know, Pet Sounds is always too, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and like for, you know, the perennial silver for Pet Sounds, <laughs> Lauren Hill jumped in the top 10 and yeah, you just know, to, just to go 
go back to our discussion before of like it's okay when guys I mean Beach Boys how are the Beach Boys any less poppy than the Go-Go's right I mean they're called the freaking Beach Boys that is some sunshine pop what makes them more rock and roll than the go not to you know I'm not disparaging the Beach Boys it's just so weird how they can constantly be upheld as like a great rock band and somehow like the Go-Go's aren't taken seriously. I mean, there's a, there's a million things we probably don't have time to unpack. I was going to say era, you know, the fact that they were contemporaries of, of the Beatles. I get the sense that that has something to do with it. You know, the Rolling Stone in particular, but the Rock Hall and the critics at large, you know, have this undying affection for that era. This is true. So, and because it's Rolling Stone, you know, which has such a poor history of honoring women and also the connection between Rolling Stone and the Rock Hall in terms of, John Winner. And I'm going to say that they were only, that Beauty and the Beat was only in the 2020 list. Okay. So Beauty and the Beat has been on every iteration of the list. We love to see it. In 2003, it was at 413. And then- Can I make some guesses about oh yeah, sure, 2012 and, and, okay, 2020. All right. I Then I think in 2012, it maybe moved to the late 300s. I think like we got like 393 in 2012. And then I think I'm going to take a big swing with 2020 and say 215. Okay. Evelyn, do you want to do this numbers game or do you just want me to tell you? No, just tell me. Okay. <laughs> I used to be really good at this and then they redid the list. And now I like, I, I've gotten like within two on the number before. So it stayed relatively steady, 413. And then again, 2012 list basically the same. So it was 414. And then 2020 overall, it was 400 flat. 400 flat. I said yeah. 393 for 2012. Uh, I thought maybe they'd really scoot them up. I thought they might scoot up. They scooted up a little bit for 2020. 400 but... flat though. I'm like 399. Let's get them to 300. <laughs> you know? But yeah, so I mean, this is, it doesn't matter the era of the list. This is an album that is definitively classic, however you cut it. And when we talk about critical acclaim, I think the critics have, they've always enjoyed the Go-Go's and been pretty into what they were doing. They were also beautiful white women and beautiful young white women. And that is never going to work against you in popular culture. And that, I think just, we got to acknowledge it. (laughs) It's the same kind of with the Bengals in many ways. It's beautiful young white women from California that is a very powerful concept. Yeah, and I think also the critics have, you know, if they the Go-Go's were dismissed maybe outright, I think over time they have come back around. I think time has been pretty good to the Go-Go's. I think those records, especially the first one, have stood the test of time and, they, and they've been uh, well received. Even from someone like Robert Hilburn, who is a longtime music critic and the Go-Go's in their early days had a song called Robert Hilburn. That was uh, super angry (laughs) and like a, a little bit of a diatribe at that type of like the older rock critic who, who wants to be young and, and wants to be cool. And I've I, never known anybody like that. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what a concept. I'm sure, I'm sure you've never, what, what an archetype I am not familiar with. Hmm. 
And the the person who showed Robert Hilburn that song, because it was not on a record or anything, it was just they used to play it at live shows, uh, was Kurt Cobain. Apparently he had a, a tape somewhere, like a bootleg or something, and he, he played it for him. Speaking of tape, I can't believe I didn't say this. Vacation is the first single. <gasps> single. Yeah. For that alone, they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Yeah, That's innovators. music history. All right, next category is commercial success. The Go-Go sold, like, from what I could tell, it's hard to track it, but, you know, they sold, like, 7 million records, and that, like, first album was huge. It went platinum- two times and then vacation went gold and the the singles were were super popular as well they 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 were very very can't be understated how popular the go-go's were were they did they stay popular throughout the 80s i just they do you want to go do you want to transition to the next category longevity oh yeah i guess so the so if we track the career of the go-go's beauty and the beat was 81 vacation was 82 talk show was 84 and they were broken up by 85 MTV started in 81. Mm-hmm. And so they they were making music videos. They made one for Vacation. Did they have other ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- they were, you know, they didn't want to make videos for, you know, Our Lips Are Sealed, for example, but they did, you know, because at that time people were like, what, this seems stupid. You know, no one really understood the significance of of the music video, but they did make them. And then they got a lot of airplay because MTV needed music videos at that time. It's so wild how important that was. Tastemaker, what a make that could be. But then they reunited and they've periodically toured for how many years? And, you know, I think they've, and, and, you know, and Belinda having her own career and Jane doing stuff and Kathy having, going into other bands. It's not like, I don't feel like they like disappeared from the planet. I don't think they, I don't feel like they disappeared from people's consciousness. I think that's true. It's been on and off when they would put together greatest hits collections in the 90s or or whenever they would release maybe a new a new song and they they've been a a solid touring entity on and off did they have a big behind the music did they have like did they have a vh1 i bet there i think it might also be that i know like the pop-up video from vacation and stuff like that it's like early 2000s vh1 i feel like also really kept the go-go's alive in in the in consciousness 80s nostalgia of people yeah yeah and the sex tape the sex tape that gave them a lot of notoriety well what the sex tape or just like the kind of backstage uh belinda carlisle being like if you can't find someone to have sex with you should masturbate masturbating is good mm-hmm. <laughs> is that the one we're i remember referring to? <laughs> that from the from their like behind the music or whatever and then her her uh autobiography too like, like just the crazy coke fueled excess mm-hmm. i think they were much bigger than their years of existence mm-hmm. well i mean i've said this before my mom and i saw them at the hollywood bowl five years ago maybe yes, I was yes. it was great it was so fun and it was yeah. it was awesome and like 80s nostalgia has continued to circle back like it's like every 10 years we get some 80s nostalgia too it hasn't really we haven't moved on the way that like we had 60s nostalgia and then 70s nostalgia it seemed like we would be well past it but we keep going back to the 80s well i am actually not an 80s fan to be honest i'm a go-go's fan i'm a fan of some music from that era but it was a horrible decade to be a human being it was the reagan years it was the beginning of trump it's a straight line right back to morning in america or whatever in america i think people thankfully are seeing the 80s for 
for what it was politically. But, you know, there is also just a like silly party element to a lot of 80s hits that I think continues to be fun for a lot of people. And I think that's what fuels it. Uh, I mean, yeah, M- you know, MTV was fun. The Go-Go's were fun. Cindy Lauper was fun. Yeah, she just fun. wants to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all good fun. <laughs> yeah. But I do, you know, I do think the longevity thing is one of the hangups for why maybe they haven't gotten on the ballot. I think maybe if there had been like one or two albums, and I even think about the story of like, they were imploding by the time talk show was coming out drug issues and they were having interpersonal conflicts talking about uh their writing credits and who was making more money because you know jane weedlin and charlotte caffey wrote a lot of the songs especially the hits so they were making more money and that and also belinda was being pushed as the face of the group so there was a lot of you know ego clashing and money issues in addition to a lot of drinking a lot of drugs and i think Obviously, that contributed to their short career, relatively short. We're talking 81 to 84, 85. But I think about when, because Jane Wheedlin had left the group, and they were going to forge ahead. And they had hired a woman named Paula Jean Brown. And she wrote a song to probably be on the next Go-Go's album. And it ended up being a Belinda Carlisle song. And it was Mad About You. And I think if like they had been able to like make that a go-go song, it like adds to the catalog, they get a few more years on their career. I think that is part of why, just because they they flamed out so fast. I think that's part of why. They have all the other stuff in the other categories. And I mm-hmm. don't think one more album or like one other hit under the go-go's name is going to be the weight is already so heavy on the scale. It's like you mm-hmm. put another penny on it. Who freaking cares? I guess to me, I'm like, yeah, so what? Like they had I, three albums. They have had four incredibly like monstrous, recognizable hits. There are so many bands that are in that have way less than that. And so I, to me, yeah. I'm like one mm-hmm. more, you know, if Mad About You was by the Go-Go's instead of Belinda Carlisle, I don't think it, I don't think it matters one way or the other. Uh, well, I just want to build the strongest case for the Go-Go's, okay? That's, that's all I'm doing. But, you know, this isn't exactly longevity, but I think we should talk about the fact that there was a very popular documentary about the Go-Go's that came out last year. Right, which, and, and you know, as well as the musical, right? So again, mm-hmm. their continuing influence, their continuing existence in the cultural uh, stratosphere. And I feel like, I mean, to me, that documentary was like an argument to be in the rock hall. I felt like they played that game mm-hmm. very well. Like that was their, their campaign speech to be in the rock hall. And, you know, yeah. and apparently it, it worked, which it did. is great. And, um, you know, I guess Tina didn't even need to have hers be released, but it's probably going to be very well timed, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, casting their ballots, although she's probably going to be in any ways. Yeah, I mean, that, it's interesting. Like, those seem to be two of the strategies to get into the Rock Hall, the musical and the documentary. Yeah, yep. it's building Beauty momentum. The, the musical and the documentary. You know? <laughs> like, but I, I do think the, the cultural momentum is, is going to be on their side. I think that is what got them on the ballot. 
And, you know, they are one, there's a string of documentaries that specifically end with people going, how are they not in the rock hall? And, you know, the Go-Go's, that's like a, that's their, one of the big moments is just people being, Stuart Copeland from the police being like, what, how are they not in? Not in? And then also yeah. the members of the Go-Go's have been very uh, rightfully snarky about it. Maybe even aggressive, just like, fuck that. How are we not in that stupid? But since the, since the ballot has come out, they have. Which is so cool, by the way. Yeah, also. that's what you gotta like, do. It's very cool. They are cool. It's like the perfect idea and attitude to have. But the ballot has come out and they have, they've yeah. sweetened their- uh... Of course, they got to, they, you do, that's the game. Play the it's game. The, it's the way it goes. Well, let's talk about the category of influence with, with the Go-Go's. Uh, obviously breaking down doors for women in rock, I think, especially bands. And I think you look at the bangles and like we said, yeah. I don't, th- I really don't think the bangles happens the way it did without the go-go's blazing that trail. But who, uh, what else is coming after them? I guess I'm like, they opened up the door. We got the bangles. We now have Haim. What happened in between? Do the riot girl? Yes, yeah. 90s. I think riot girls it's- were totally influenced by the Go-Go's, absolutely, as well as the Runaways, right? Mm-hmm. I-, I think that power, that girl gang sensibility. I think like they they grew up on that music. Riot Girl was more politicized and more underground and, you know, it was coming out of a different era, but definitely L7, Babes in Toyland. Mm-hmm. Bikini Kill. Yeah, I think all of those bands were definitely influenced by the Go-Go's. And that's what all girl rock groups became, you know, in the following decade, the early nineties was all girl rock groups, but they were riot girl groups. And so they weren't necessarily getting mainstream play in any way and kind of purposefully. Yeah. Right. I mean, some of them saw what had happened to the go-go's and the runaways and they didn't want any part of that industry and That's the at statement. the same time too they were still struggling with this stupid patriarchal music world and rock world and all of that shit too so they weren't the riot girl movement as far as like saying okay we don't want to be mainstream but then also still struggling within the underground community Mm. to be respected and to be able to be themselves and be treated yes with respect but also like be able to run their own show to say how they wanted it to go to have a place exactly and and there were other all-girl bands that were just not mainstream even before Riot Girl, like Frightwig. I don't I don't think they were all girl, but like the nymphs, right? Like a lot of them were operating on a different level than the Go-Go's did purposefully. You know, and then like at all that all that whole like underground went mainstream more with Nirvana and with Grunge and Hole. Uh, I'm like next- over here looking up Frightwig. <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco, Bay Area. Okay. Uh, next category is artistry slash skill. Uh, I do think the Go-Go's were great power pop, almost like pop punk artists, you know, down to, they wrote these songs, you know, that was the whole package. They, I think they were extremely skillful at what they were doing. You know, there's no like Tom Morello of the band, right? Someone where you just, oh, he just like recreated the guitar. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Charlie Caffey was a great lead guitar player. She wasn't reinventing the instrument. I think it's more about 
their songwriting chops, which is the same, same with the Beach Boys, right? Mm -hmm. So great instrumentalist, except the vocals were the instruments, but it was also about like the harmonies, right? Right. And then, and the Beach Boys often were not playing the instruments, you know, it was the Wrecking Crew or or whoever in the 60s that was actually playing, but the Go-Go's were actually playing on their records. They were cool. They're good. They're cool and good. You heard They're it here cool first. Good. I've said it once. I've said it many times. They're cool and good. Okay. I think we're ready for the last category. Perhaps the most important category. Does my mom know who they are? And uh, absolutely she knows who the Go-Go's are. They've permeated the culture without question. Huge songs. Everybody knows. Even from the personalities in the group, the name, it's just a name you know and can remember. Yeah. My mom for sure knows. They're ubiquitous. I heard them today in the doctor's office. Not an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> like literally this morning. And obviously my mother knows who they are. We saw them together five years ago. So yes. Joe, does your mom know the Foo Fighters? She does. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only artist on this ballot she did not know was, was Fela Kuti. Well, we're at our point where it's time to make a verdict. Should the Go-Go's be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will they get in? And will it be this year? We'll start with Kristen. Listen up, everybody. Big shocking news here. I think they should get in. I think they will get in. And it better freaking happen this year. The end. Full stop. Period. There are three gimme slots on this goddamn ballot. They go to Tina, Carol, and the Go-Go's. If you are not voting for the Go-Go's, you are fucking up. Like... <laughs> Get it together. God. So yes, they will. They better get in this year. I mean, this the, the, the anger that I'll feel if they do not get in this year, it's like you thought Pat Benatar was something. Uh-uh, honey. Just wait. You haven't seen anything yet. Just you wait. All right, Evelyn, what do you think? Should they, will they, will it be this year? Obviously, I think they should get in. Um, they should be ready. And, you know, clearly um, they're in my snubs list. They're one of the top snubs. And Carol and Tina are in in other ways. So I guess they're the, the top snubs that aren't in the hall in any way. Will they get in? I hope so. I think so. I, you know, I, I've spent so many years being disappointed yeah. by the Hall of Fame that just like one good ballot isn't making me an optimist. I hear it's you. I feel hope, you. But I'm trying to like be realistic too. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say, yes, they're going to get this year. Yes. Evelyn. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you guys. I think they obviously should. And I think they will. And I think the momentum is on their side this year, you know, especially with the documentary we've seen in the past, Usually the artists that get in the majority of the class every year is artists who are on the ballot for the first time this year. And I think people seeing the Go-Go's, they've never had the option to vote for them before. I think people are going to want to do that. And I think it's going to satisfy a lot of different sections of the voting body. Yeah, I think your rock purists are going to be able to justify their vote in their head, too. I think they have a lot of crossover appeal in many with many of the voters. There aren't a lot of traditional rock bands on the ballot, and they are definitely one of them. And they're one that has waited their turn long enough. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I think it, I really do think it could happen this year. Why don't we go ahead and say it's happening and let's talk about what, what that induction could look like. 
who gives the speech to induct the Go-Go's? They would do something like Miley Cyrus or something insane. Yeah, I mean, I think Miley is obviously someone who has, she inducted Joan Jett. She Mm -hmm. was part of the Nine Inch Nails induction. Mm -hmm. They have her number and she shows up. Mm-hmm. I could see it happening. The Go-Go's have covered Wrecking Ball on tour before. Uh, they've also covered Call Me Maybe. They could potentially have Carly Rae Jepsen. If CRJ in there, then you're really hitting the buttons for me. <laughs> I don't know that she has the star power mm-hmm. that uh, the hall is looking for, but I'd be excited <laughs> yeah. to see dorky old Carly Rae. <laughs> I love her, but she is yeah. not a cool person. Like, like, no. do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I she's a dork. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. she's a huge dork, and I really like her music. And if we're talking about more contemporary artists that maybe are carrying some sort of a go-go's torch, Charlie XCX kind of sticks out to me as someone who has great songwriting chops and a pop sensibility with still an edge to it. But if we're going outside of that, like you could go Susanna Hoffs, one of the peers of of the Go-Go's and someone who was influenced by them. And I think the Go-Go's and the Bangles, you know, they're friendly and they, you know, have played. That would just seem weird to me though. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't love that. I, because also she inducted the zombies. I just am like just two years ago or like. Like you really need to have her back. That's I'm like, I don't really like that very much. Uh, Someone who wrote the single that the uh, that they released from 2001 was Billy Joe Armstrong. Uh, the song is called Unforgiven. I don't think you should have a guy induct the Go-Go's, though. Something feels off to me about that. But I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of that importance isn't just that they were women but mm-hmm. that they like pioneered like pop punk sound yes and, and i stand for that to, to symbolize that heritage than bill joe armstrong i like showing that they were important to men you mm-hmm. know that they that their yeah their influence isn't just in that they were women and that women were you know inspired by them but that their music also was inspiring to men as well i think that that can have its own implications that uh, we don't see that often there's uh, it's almost that thing where it's like shows that they are respected across the gender spectrum sure Uh, Someone else who has written about how much she loved the Go-Go's and had their poster on her walls and stuff is Drew Barrymore. You know, they like to do a, you know, a special celebrity, non-musical celebrity type person. So that could, you know, that's a big name. That's, that feels like HBO approved. Yeah. I think Drew would be a fine inductor. They had Charlize last year. All Uh, bets are off. All bets are off. Anything is possible. I don't know, though. I like Billy Joe Armstrong. That to me is the one that I would that I'm pulling for. But I bet it'll be like Miley or Drew. Uh, Evelyn, is there anyone in your your fantasy inductors for the Go-Go's? I, I guess uh, I haven't let myself hope enough to start to actually picture. I'm picturing the band, the um, you know, the all star band at the end, the jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that. I'm, I've pictured that. But yeah, I don't know. I also was I thinking like one thing we haven't really talked about that you know Head Over Heels the musical is all about is how they were sort of ahead of their time in terms of of gender bending and like androgyny and gender fluidity and like that's what that musical is largely about so I would be interesting to acknowledge them 
as this like all gender appealing band. That's right. cool. I did not know that that's what the musical was about. Well, because one of the actors in the lead of Head Over Heels is is Peppermint from right. Drag Race. Oh, from Drag Race. Oh, yeah. Have Peppermint do it. I don't know the HBO. Yeah. Is, oh my God. Have Peppermint. You know, like that's a big <laughs> enough name for them, but I'm on board. But have RuPaul do it. Um, but la- yeah, let's talk about more about the induction. I'm like, I think it's uh, in terms of what what songs would they play. I think it's pretty obvious, especially if they can do four, you do the four big hits, right? You do Our Lips Are Sealed, We Got the Beat, Vacation, and Head Over Heels. Probably if you can only do three, you, you lop off Head Over Heels. I think they keep Head Over Heels because it's the name of the musical. Interesting. But- I think We Got the Beat is the jam. If Shaka yeah. Khan doesn't get in and it's I'm Every Woman, We Got the Beat is the jam. And then everybody comes out, they got the beat. We got Carol King on piano <laughs> out there. <laughs> We got Tina zooming in. Well, <laughs> yeah, because she's not moving. There's I no way. I don't know that she'll show. But uh, we have potentially. We got Jay Z spitting a verse. All right. This is, <laughs> this is I'm just ima- I'm doing some imaginings. Well, we have potentially a really good class coming up for the induction in late October, Evelyn. If everything is safe and the Go Go's are getting inducted, and probably Carol and Tina too, would you go to the ceremony? I would think about it. Yeah, definitely. Start of the Roaring Twenties. It's yeah. It's like you said. It's going to be the biggest party of the. <laughs> it's going to be like let's go. Uh, I would think about. It. I don't know if I'm going to pay the high prices, but but yeah, it's going to wow. be in Cleveland this year, right? It'll be yeah. in Cleveland. It's going to be at the Rocket Mortgage Center. They've they've announced that it's going to be at a bigger venue this year. It used to be at the Public Hall, which was much smaller. Now it's at the place where like the Cavs play. So. I think tickets won't be that expensive because there's a million seats. I think terrible tickets will not be that expensive. <laughs> I, think I would do it. Yeah, well, we I'm are- travel anywhere I can as soon yeah. as I can. I'm exactly. like, and so, yeah, Ohio, I'll go to Ohio. I'll go- Yeah, anywhere. sure. Sounds good. Sounds exotic. Sounds like not my apartment. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will, we will definitely be there. So we can't wait to see you there, Evelyn. Yes. Oh, thank that'll you. be fun. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me again. It was fun. Absolutely. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you want. I know the Music Matters series is going strong. Your social media, whatever you want. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, people can follow me on Twitter. That's probably the best way to see what I'm up to and thinking about and what I'm mad about. And it links to my blog um, as well. So if I'm posting there, it automatically populates. Uh, and it's just Evelyn McDonald on Twitter. So, Excellent. Yeah. And we, have, we do have four amazing Music Matters books coming out this year, uh, this spring. We have Why LaBelle Matters, Why Solange Matters, Why Bushwick Bill Matters, and Why Marianne Faithful Matters. Ooh. Very good. Yeah, look really forward excited. to those. Our listeners know that they can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Rockhallpod at gmail.com is the email address. If you want Kristen to see that, you're going to need to designate that somewhere in the message. Otherwise, I'm not sending it to her because she doesn't want to see it. Subscribe mm-hmm. to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Anything less than five is rude. Thank you to Michael Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusu Kim for the music. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. And thank you to AKG for that lovely microphone. I'm Joe Guzala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the rock? Call. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 